Hey everyone, this is Natalie Ivey, and in today's show, I'm going to talk about the trends I'm seeing with employee relations cases. Specifically, I'm going to talk about dual employment, unprofessional conduct, and of course, harassment. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey everybody, this is Natalie Ivey. Welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you with me today. Today, I'm really going to be delving into trends in employee relations. Well, the first thing that uh, I am hearing about from a lot of my clients is dual employment. Yep, you have a lot of folks since the pandemic who are working from home, but sort of. So what's going on is that uh, they're supposed to be VPN'd in and working, and yet they kind of disappear, and uh, colleagues are seeing that they're missing in action for a couple of hours. So that's one of the things that uh, I'm finding that employee relations professionals are having to investigate more of today. And in some cases, those dual employment issues are also a conflict of interest. What does that mean? Well, conflict of interest is also when the dual employment could be working for a competitor. So this is really um, something that emerged from just remote work into these quasi-conflict of interest and dual employment cases. So uh, the other thing that's going on is the working nomads. Uh, During the pandemic, a lot of employees decided to move out of their high cost of living areas. And uh, one of my clients had uh, an employee, an IT specialist, sold her condo in Atlanta, She and her spouse bought an RV and they just decided to trek around the country. Well, that works great when you have a strong internet connection, but when you don't, uh uh-oh. And then once the business uh, really was calling everyone back, uh uh-oh, where where was she? She was all the way out in Yellowstone, out in Montana. (laughs) And the uh, owner said, what do you mean you can't come to the all hands meeting? Well, I'm in Montana. And so anyway, other situations like that have emerged. I've had other situations with employees that during the pandemic, they decided to sell some of their stuff and buy boats. I live in Florida. And so several of my clients experienced this. And um, it's fine if it really works for you. But if it doesn't, and you're now bringing people back to the office, that can create a real issue. So a couple of things um, on what I just talked about. I really recommend you have policies in place. You have to have really strong dual employment, conflict of interest type of policies. And that really is necessary, especially because of remote work. So also your remote work policies. What we did before the pandemic is now a lot different. So I really strongly encourage you to update your policy and make sure that it really works for your type of business. You may also have policies that are unique to different departments. Certainly IT might be a little bit more flexible on their remote work versus someone who might be in more, a more administrative type of role. So other things that are going on, I'm seeing uh, unprofessional conduct cases on the rise where employees are using social media to post even defamatory information. And I'm definitely seeing this after employees are let go from an organization. And so that's really a little tough uh, from the standpoint of trying to hold someone accountable. But if they are posting things that are defamatory and you are aware of it, then that's where you reach out to legal counsel and you've got to talk to them and share the evidence of what it is that you've uh, found, and then let them take the appropriate action. Some other stuff that's going on. Increases in accommodation requests. Oh, let me hang out here for a little while. 
Under the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, we have a responsibility as employers to provide people with reasonable accommodations. All right, so what are reasonable accommodations? Reasonable means reasonable, that it has to work for both the employer as well as the person with a qualified disability. But what's happening now, since the return to work over the you know, pandemic, a lot of businesses decided to start bringing people back, even in hybrid type of arrangements, but some employees just don't want to come back at all. So what we're seeing show up in particularly investigations, and this investigator particularly got pulled into a case on this, and the issue is around legitimacy over the request. Now, the Americans with Disabilities Act is a great piece of legislation. It's there to protect people who have disabilities from discrimination in the workplace. However, when you have people game in the system who really don't have a legitimate disability and they're just trying to craft one or manufacture one just for the purposes of trying to work from home, folks, that's called fraud. All right. So the other thing I recommend if you're starting to see an uptick in these kind of unreasonable accommodation requests uh, is to make sure that your policy has been updated as well. Uh, you should have very good procedures for how employees are requesting accommodations. Um, make sure that you have some good paperwork that they send to their healthcare provider, to their treating physician. There weren't really, um, you know, when we had the ADA enacted in 1990, and even when it was amended back in 2011, unfortunately, our lawmakers didn't really give us any paperwork to work with not like the FMLA. So what I recommend is having some standardized documents that allow employees to request an accommodation and go to their uh, treating physician, get the paperwork filled out. In other words, what is the disability? What specifically are they dealing with? Uh, their barriers to being able to perform their work. And then what types of accommodations are they requesting? And the doctor should be signing off on that, right? So that's, that's asking for a lot more robust information. And then also there should be something in your policy that states that if an employee is in any way fraudulently misrepresenting uh, their case, or just like someone who uh, may bring forth an allegation of sexual harassment and it's completely fraudulent, that is called bad faith. And honestly, that's also called fraud. Uh, there should be some kind of language in there that there are consequences when employees bring forth these types of complaints in bad faith. So what else is going on? Well, in one of my previous episodes, I talked about employees using the buzzwords. All right, so what are the buzzwords? The buzzwords are harassment, discrimination, retaliation, bullying, uh, humiliation. Uh, oh, there are others, but these are the sort of hot, hot ones that uh, we're hearing today. What's happening? Well, employees are now really using these buzzwords precisely at the time of performance management. So a supervisor sits down, have a, has a conversation with a direct report, let's say who is uh, maybe coming in late for work or maybe um, isn't meeting certain performance standards. And instead of the employee absorbing and processing that feedback and making the appropriate changes to elevate their performance, instead it's like, no way he didn't. He didn't just go hold me accountable. Uh -uh. Now they're going to run to the employee relations department. They'll run to ethics. They run to HR. And now they're raising these allegations. Well, my boss is harassing me. My boss is discriminating against me, retaliating. And bullying is the big one. And as I said in my previous episode on buzzwords and how to handle that, the key is, again, back to policy. Have you noticed how I have come back to that several times? If you really don't have robust policies in place, especially around bullying, harassment, discrimination, then you're going to have 
every five minutes when employees are being held accountable for their performance, they'll be in HR's office or employee relations or ethics or whatever it may be in your organization. Um, but that is definitely on the rise. And so I'm here to tell you that if you don't have really good policies, and when I say policies, it isn't, well, harassment, discrimination, retaliation, bullying are not tolerated here. No, that's too generic. It needs to get really granular with exactly the definitions of what kinds of behaviors constitute harassment or discrimination, what kinds of behaviors specifically constitute bullying. And just check out my previous episode on buzzwords, and uh, I gave you some suggestions there on what uh, policy language should look like. All right, so what is all of this doing to employee relations teams and HR teams? Well, um, it's starting to create some real pressure. And um, what's happening, especially when employee relations team members have to investigate some of these allegations when they come in, let's say an allegation of harassment. Well, then, um, as a result of coming out of the pandemic, a lot of organizations have moved to completely 100% remote work. Well, what that means is that investigations have to be conducted 100% remotely. And so that presents some challenges, doesn't it? It's no longer that you're sitting in a conference room with someone and really being able to assess their body language, uh, their demeanor. It's a lot harder when you're just looking at a small screen on Zoom or go to meeting. And what this is also doing is creating some tech issues. Sometimes um, when investigators are looking into these things, employees play games. They don't like certain questions, so then click, they just end the call. And the investigator never really got their side of the story, never really got uh, their full statement on the matter. And then what happens? Well, it depends. Uh, if you have a good policy that requires cooperating in internal investigations, if you have someone who is completely dodging the investigator, then that's where you pull that policy into play. And they should be aware that if they don't respond, uh, let's say regular telephone call, look, you know, Ma Bell still works, even though we have all this technology. But if they uh, refuse to get on a call within a matter of, let's say, five minutes, when the investigator is requesting that that investigative interview continue, if they're dodging you, then that becomes a cooperation issue and they should be held accountable, disciplinary action up to and including separation of employment for that. So the other problem that uh, I talked about earlier was uh, the conflict of interest cases and employees uh, now seeking dual employment and what I call gig work. That can be really problematic. And I will tell you, a lot of employee relations investigators are not really very skilled in handling conflict of interest cases. So I recommend uh, certainly reaching out to security teams. If you have uh, an asset protection or a fraud team, if you're in a larger organization, if you have reason to believe there could be a conflict of interest, it's one thing if someone has a side hustle, maybe they're working at a bakery and you don't have a business that has anything to do with the bakery. Oh, well. The issue could be the employees disappearing for a few hours during the day, maybe from 10 to 1, and just, you know, working at their side hustle, taking bakery orders. All right, that's fraud. Um, they're essentially stealing time from you, but they're not necessarily engaged in a conflict of interest that could in any way uh, be problematic for the business as a whole. But if you have a conflict of interest case that is a little bit more complicated, uh, where they might be working for a competitor, I had a case recently with um, a shareholder in one company who also was a shareholder in another LLC, and he was essentially trying to steer business from his existing company to the LLC of which he had part ownership and really wanted them to become a vendor. Well, why? Because it 
allowed him to somewhat double dip. And uh, luckily, we were able to catch him, and it involved a lot of forensic IT analysis. But nevertheless, we have the expertise to do that as an external PI agency. But the average HR and employee relations professional, generally most of you have not really had to work a conflict of interest case. So the best advice there is if you have um, one of those that could be a little bit bigger than the scope of what you're used to, then there's no harm in you escalating that issue up to legal, uh, to your security team. And I think it's really paramount that you recognize the need to do that and not try to muddle through a case because you may lose the ability to gather evidence and other things that your legal counsel may need at a later time. And overall, what is some of this stuff doing? Well, it's increasing caseloads on employee relations professionals. Well, why? About eight, 10 years ago, I started seeing the trend with a lot of the mid-sized to larger organizations centralizing employee relations teams. Well, why were they doing that? Well, because of the bias issue. Anytime an employee comes forward in a business and complains about, let's say, their, their manager or complains about a coworker or something going on, if they're going to their HR business partner that they normally deal with for payroll issues and FMLA or um, they don't like uh, their performance review rating or what have you, the problem is that HR business partner is too close to the politics. They're too close to the day-to-day, -day, and often uh, their judgment can really be clouded when it comes time to really investigate things that might be of a serious nature. So about eight, 10 years ago, I began to see a really big trend towards centralizing employee relations teams in businesses. In other words, pulling key members of the HR team, training them specifically on how to handle employee complaints and investigations, and then just create separate teams and centralize. It's a good idea, and I really see a lot of value in it. What we've seen over time, however, is the case volumes increase, but not necessarily the resources. So if there are some of you listening to this podcast and you find that you are really, really overwhelmed, your case volume continues to increase from year to year, you're not getting additional resources, then this is where you really have to be documenting where you're spending your time. And you have to be able to showcase to your boss how overwhelmed you, may, you very well may be. Um, most organizations that are larger do have some kind of case management system in place where you're really accounting for the sheer volume of these types of issues coming at you. And you can even look at the analytics, patterns, trends. Um, I run a solution called HR Acuity as an example if you want to look up a case management system uh, that really is a robust one for HR. Um, but centralizing employee relations has done a few good things like identifying repeat offenders because the case information is there. If you have someone named Adam Smith whose name has come up three times, kind of like a bad penny, and this person has had allegations of harassment made against them, well, why is it that each of the uh, parties over the last 18 months have eerily similar details in the behavior that Adam has allegedly conducted Huh, but none of the complainants know each other. You see, things like that, that really allows you to start looking at people's credibility by having that data. Uh, Real-time reporting, consistency in processes, and also um, it really just improves the overall process for working investigations to resolve employee issues, and it minimizes the bias factor. 
But the challenges to centralization, as I said, it really, really overwhelms some HR teams. And uh, they're routinely getting cases that are really more departmental drama, right, and conflict management issues and not issues that they should be handling. And most recently, I spent some time with a, a large HR team, and we really spent a good portion of a training program talking about what kinds of issues should an HR business partner own and manage versus what things should be escalated to an employee relations team. And so three key words to really think about are policy, procedure, and law. So at the intake of a complaint, if an employee comes to you and they are alleging something that could potentially be a policy violation, such as harassment or discrimination, uh, they claim that they are now being retaliated against. And there is something substantive there where they've given you some dates, times, and details around that, then sure, that would be something you'd want to escalate because that could create liability for the organization if you don't look into it. If it's a procedural violation, some of you might have very unique regulatory procedures, safety procedures, maybe it's uh, job posting procedures, could be the employee is coming forth and alleging uh, that they wanted to post for a particular position internally, and the job posting was taken down in two days, and now they've heard through the grapevine that someone's already been selected. All right, that could be some backdoor politicking and potentially even some things that are discriminatory and not allowing people a, a fair shot at being able to get the job. That's a procedure that certainly should be investigated. And then legally, if an employee comes forward and says, hey, I don't think it's right that my boss told me I can't take my family in medical leave, or they say, hey, you know, my boss is continually forgetting about my overtime. I've worked the last two Saturdays, eight hours, and my boss hasn't put it on my, my paycheck. Okay, those are legal issues, and certainly they require investigating, and you've got to get to the bottom of them. All right, so in summary, the issues that are going on today, the trends, accommodation requests, conflict of interest, dual employment, work in nomads, unprofessional conduct on social media and employees definitely using the buzzwords and uh, also the sheer volume of cases is going up so that means a few things number one is you've got to tune up your policies number two you've got to train your team and if you haven't trained your team and you need some help with that you know where to find me you can just reach out to hr-investigations.com or you can go to my main site at rpchr.com and just reach out to me i'm happy to talk with you about training your team that's one of the things that i specialize in with my team and lastly you've got to make sure that your team understands the importance when the complaints come in I know you all have frequent flyers. I know that you have employees that just are unhappy with life. I know who they are. I had one years ago named Maxine, <laughs> and I know how that can be. But let me just give you a piece of advice. When you have an employee who's a frequent flyer who complains about stuff, you can't be dismissive. Maybe the third time that they are coming forward with an allegation, that one could have merit. So we have to take each allegation as a standalone, each complaint as a standalone, and not allow that to cloud your judgment. Because if you do and you brush it under the rug and you don't do something about it, you could very well be inviting a great deal of legal liability on your business. All right, so that's it for today's episode on current trends regarding employee relations. I look forward to seeing you back at another HR Investigations podcast. Have a great one, everybody. See ya. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. 
For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.